everybody, you are listening to Canary Cry Radio, and I'm your buddy Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 151. That's right. We're back, baby. Now, of course, uh, we thank everybody for all their messages and emails and reaching out and wondering, where has Canary Cry Radio gone? And well, many of you uh, already know, ever since the quarantine uh, extravaganza of 2020, we've been heavily focusing on our other show, Canary Cry News Talk. And, you know, I'd like to take, uh, take the moment to invite you. If you haven't checked out Canary Cry News Talk, you're going to want to do that. In early 2020, we made the transition from doing one half-hour episode per week to doing three three-hour episodes per week. Well, at least two hours. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there has been... We've probably made more content in the six, seven months after the whole coronavirus nonsense exploded um, than maybe we have ever. So if you're wondering where your buddies Basil and Gons are and uh, just you just need some more Canary Cry in your life, you're really going to want to check out Canary Cry News Talk. And if you checked it out before and it wasn't for you or maybe it was too short or something, check it out again. It's uh, The show has really done some pretty impressive evolving throughout the year and we think you're really going to like it. Uh, and we know that watching the news and paying attention to all the horrible things going on uh, can be a little draining for a lot of people right now. And that's why we've put a lot of work into making sure that Canary Cry News Talk is not your average news show. So again, if you haven't done it yet, we highly recommend you check out Canary Cry News Talk. You can find it on any podcast catcher. And even more excitingly, we have been broadcasting live. That's right, live three times a week. And so if you're finding yourself lonely on a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday afternoon, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, tune in to one of our many platforms online. Of course, the Face Like the Sun YouTube channel, the Canary Cry radio YouTube channel, and most excitingly, which we've pumped on uh, this show quite a bit, is the Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. Again, that's Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, live broadcast, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But don't worry, you don't have to catch the show live. Uh, all those episodes are quickly posted onto our normal RSS feed. So we highly recommend, if you haven't done it yet, you should really check it out. I think you guys are going to like it. Yes, and if you don't want to use any of those platforms, you can also use dlive.tv slash Canary Cry Radio, and also on Periscope and Facebook if you look for Canary Cry News Talk there. We're everywhere. We're like a anti-Illuminati octopus. We're everywhere. We're all over the place. You'll notice if you check out Canary Cry News Talk, we are leaning heavily on our value for value model, and you can learn all about that at canarycryradio.com slash support and uh, you know there's a lot of fun ways to become a producer of the show but I won't take too much of your time now explaining it but we do recommend you check out canarycryradio.com slash support and do not forget 
to search on your podcast player or many platforms online for Canary Crime News Talk. It's a whole new world out there, and we've been working hard at it. So we'd appreciate it if you'd check it out. Yep. Now, we are here. Gons, who do we have on this episode? We have Chad Schaefer. This conversation actually took place back on April 3rd, 2020. So we're publishing it officially on the RSS feed a little bit late. Uh, But we have a great conversation about his book, The World in the Bondage of Egypt Under the Triumphal Arch of Titus. And uh, it's a really fascinating study. A great job by Chad Schaefer coming up with the details of how the Roman Arch of Triumph, uh, which was developed by General Titus to commemorate the Roman Empire's victory over Judea, and the commencement of the diaspora of the Jews circa 70 AD, how it's still around and it's still a symbol yeah. for the uh, the elite there. Yeah, you know, I, I learned about all sorts of arches that I never even knew existed, but uh, he's done a great job of exploring both architecturally and geographically the significance of these arches, but also the spiritual significance and uh, what that means for us and what it means for, well, Folks like the Masons or uh, folks like them. So you guys are going to love it. Super fascinating. This was one of our live broadcasts early on in the whole quarantine shenanigans. Um, So you might have caught it live. But if you didn't, uh, you are definitely going to be excited to hear this conversation. And if you did catch it live, eh, you know, it's been a few months. It's good to uh, catch up. So we're excited to bring you this. Uh, Remember, you can always become a supporter of the show by going to patreon.com slash canary cry radio but we'll talk about more of that later on so all right guns you think you're ready ready to go this is evergreen material you think you're ready for this evergreen material (laughs) let's go and we're live you're you're listening canary cry radio everybody welcome back this week we are streaming live uh, because we got nothing better to do. And uh, today we're over there on YouTube. I want to say hi to all the Face Like the Sun YouTubers, Canary Cry Radio YouTubers. We got the Twitch, my favorite people in the world, Canary Cry Radio over on Twitch there. And of course, the All Seeing Facebook. We're so happy you guys are here. Um, and today, Gons, we have a wonderful guest. Are you ready? Ready to go. And also, before we go, uh, Periscope oh. Twitter, also a place where we're streaming. So oh. the one guy Sorry, who said, don't- yeah, in the chat from Periscope, I, I see you. <laughs> I Poor see guy. you, buddy. We see you, Periscope. Thank you for <laughs> tuning in. Oh, man. Uh, today, cool. we have Chad Schaefer. Uh, and Gans, this is very fun. This has been a long time coming and, uh, he has a new book that he's going to tell us all about, but he too is stuck indoors just like the rest of us. <laughs> so we thought we'd take about an hour today and, uh, talk about the new book and how it pertains to what's going on in the world today. And, uh, without further ado, Chad Schaefer, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm, uh, getting my flippy updates. Uh, you know, on a regular basis, yeah. so oh, I'm staying yeah. informed uh, that yeah, way. Important but, uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited to be on here. I've listened as I was saying before we started the broadcast. I 
your podcast was the second podcast I had ever subscribed to. I've, I've heard just about every episode when they originally aired, uh, going back into the teens, I think. So, wow, I'm, uh, I'm so excited to be with the, you guys. The OG crew, man. We're so happy to have you here, too. And, uh, you know, I got to say, I wish we were under better circumstances. But one thing uh, that's been working out for podcasters is everybody stuck inside with nothing better to do but to give us an hour of their time. So this is working <laughs> right. out well for me. Right. <laughs> well, Chad, um, so, we know you wrote a book uh, a couple yeah. of years ago, I think. Um, yes. But. And we want to dive into that right away because we're sort of limited on time. But I know that um, it says here that you serve as a pharmacy tech manager. And yes. uh, are you still doing that? And if so... Yeah, I actually work from home. So uh, so I, I work uh, from home through the week and it's usually nights and weekends. Uh, uh, typically, I get all my time alone. I'm, uh, it's hard to be a loner together now with everybody at the house with me a lot. So... <laughs> Um, it must be an interesting together. time, though, because of uh, what pain. you do with the medicine and the pharmacy industry. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it keeps me busy. That I, I'm very blessed in that regard. That because I work from home and it is a pharmacy, I, I have not uh, had to really deal with the hardship uh, that many are going through right now with not being able to work. My wife uh, actually works for a company that is considered critical uh, infrastructure so she also was a none one not missing work so we're we're both been blessed in that regard well we're very happy about that uh you know there's certainly a lot of people in a lot worse spots uh yeah. than any of us on this call so our hearts go out to them yeah. that's interesting though the pharmaceutical industry i mean do you are you privy to anything none of us are privy to what's going on um, cia <laughs> shill it's it's uh, there's been no difference in regard to uh what we do i can tell you that as far as business is concerned, because there are no elective surgeries being done, um, it has slowed just like everything else has. Uh, uh, so it's just necessary treatments only. So the elective surgeries and everything which make up a big bulk of what the pharmacy provides, medically speaking, uh, has come uh, you know to a crawl. Um, mm -hmm. So. It's so like it's down just as much as everything not affected, else. But I can tell you that it is affected, like everybody. Got it. Got it. Well, that's <clears> good <throat> to know. And while you're doing that, you had a time to write a book. And the uh, the book, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, the book is called The World in the Bondage of Egypt. Yeah. The the complete title is quite long. As Doug, Doug Krieger typed on the, the by line or the secondary title under the art under the triumphal arch of Titus and so it's a it took me about four years to research and write uh, while I was working you know 60 hours a week but it was a book that was uh, born out of passion and necessity I, I never really sought to write a book uh, I like many of uh, your listeners listen to folks like yourselves the Canary Cry Radio the the PID radios with Derek and Sharon Gilbert and Tom Horn and, you know, back, uh, you know, all the other guys, uh, Steve Quayle and uh, uh, Stan Dale. And I listened to a lot of what they had to say and 
uh, L.A. Marzulli in particular uh, was a, a, a great uh, resource uh, in answering questions. Uh, it was actually his website that I found. I was looking for an answer to a question that my local pastor and deacons weren't really able to answer uh, for me. Um, searched the internet, found L.A. Marzulli's website. Uh, where I found uh, what I found out later to be was his editor on his forum by the name of Rose. She directed me to David Flynn's work, and then that's when everything really blew up and dots started getting uh, connected, uh, you know, very quickly <laughs> for me then. Uh, once I found David Flynn, and I've, I've since, uh, you know, I've come, of course, to his twin brother, uh, Mark Flynn. And I've actually come to know Mark and our good, good friends now with Mark Flynn. So uh, it's really a surreal feeling to actually uh, meet the people who, who uh, really triggered and uh, provided the information, uh, you know, what you, what one would consider the ma a major part of the reason why they've been put on this earth to begin with is, you know, writing this book. But. Uh, his his work, their work, connected some dots for me in the in terms of things that in topics that you guys uh, cover quite a bit and have done great depth of research on, and that's you know the occult and paganism, their forms of communication, what they communicate, etc. And uh, for me, uh, being uh, born and raised in the Christian church and having spent my life reading the scriptures. Um, it just that information and the what I was reading in the scriptures were, um, you know, uh, it was providen uh, providential. Uh, mm. Two key pieces of information uh, I was reading came, you know, back to back and together allowed me to instantly see that there was something up uh, in regards to scripture and what had happened uh, back in 70 AD. And uh, basically, it was uh, out of Deuteronomy, uh, where at the end of Deuteronomy in 28, 29, uh, specifically uh, 29 or 2860 or 2965, just those two chapters. If people read those chapters, if, if you, you guys being the Bible uh, scholars that you are would know that that's where the blessings Good and the verses are outlined. Um, and when the, the law is being given, he says, you know, he says, if you heed my commandments, obey my words, seek my face, you'll be blessed when you go into your field, blessed in your fruit basket, et cetera, right? And then he outlines, <laughs> kind of seems repetitive right after that, the curses. He says, if you didn't seek my face, heed my words, you know, all this, et cetera. Cursed will you be in your breadbasket. Cursed will you be in your home when you leave your house, when you go into your house and all that. But at the end of that, he actually summarizes it. He says, there's coming a day in the future where all the curses that are outlined uh, here in these words will come upon you at once. But here's the, here's the key thing that he says in there, and he actually repeats it twice. He says, first, he says, the plagues that were visited upon you in Egypt will be visited upon you again and greater plagues will be added unto them which is an interesting thought and then he also says I will send you back into Egypt 
mm. you know, being a, a Bible researcher and, uh, you know, kind of a prophecy buff, I mean, I always uh, got excited to read about the prophetic words and to look at current events and see how they line up. I mean, I can remember back 20 years ago reading, um, you know, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> I'm going to forget it now. Uh, 70s book. Oh, prophecy. Hal Lindsey. Hal Lindsey, thank you. Hal Lindsey, I remember reading that and thinking, oh man, he's, he's he must have this all figured out. I mean, it sounds pretty good, right? Helicopters so, and uh, I've always uh, been into that. But yeah, back to the book. I saw these those two words. I will send you back into Egypt. Now, if you read the commentaries on the scriptures, you will see that almost every Christian scholar there is agrees. And even Josephus and, uh, points out that that those verses were fulfilled in 70 AD when Rome conquered uh, Israel, uh, and that that was the fulfillment of them going back into Egypt. But it says metaphorically. But the truth of it is, Josephus will uh, tells you in that that at the time of the conquering in 70 AD, that that those strongest men who were left were actually taken, they were marched down into Egypt and back into Rome. Mm. But the interesting phrase, phraseology that it is actually worded in the King James version of this is kind of funny. It says, I will send you back into Egypt by the way whereof I spoke unto thee. <laughs> and you're thinking, by the way whereof I spoke unto thee. By which way spoke you unto, you know, to break it down into English, and what I came to understand is he said, is he's saying this, the way I led you and spoke unto you in bringing you out of Egypt is the same way you're going to go back into Egypt. And so I was like, huh, okay, cool. Uh, the way he, the, all the, that meaning everything that happened in their exodus was going to happen in reverse. And so I started looking for that evidence and, and I was amazed at actually what I found. The other part of that is for people who know the scriptures know that the Israelites, the tribes were commanded, they were not to make statues, they were not to make monuments, they were not to make any totems, right? Because that's, what the evil people do, you're commanded, it's the law, you don't do this. Paul expounded upon that later. The reason you don't do this, not that they're just done in wood, but it's the spirits, the, the archons, it's the spiritual entities in high places that speak by these things. Well, a big red truck, uh, you know, <laughs> appeared unto me when I understood that, having been reading those uh, portions of scripture and knowing what happened in 70 AD, there was a monument, an arch, that was set up specifically as a direct result of prophecy being fulfilled, and that was the Arch of Titus to commemorate the event. And it was like, ding, 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 you know, okay, here we have a thousand year, you know, a couple thousand year old prophecy in the book of Deuteronomy saying you're gonna go back into Egypt, and then it says, as a result of that prophecy being fulfilled, a monument is erected, and it's saying something. What is it saying? So it was all those things together that combined to give me a, a picture of, and an understanding that I think 
uh, was missed. Well, I feel that it was missed because I thought when I put these dots together and saw these things, I, I immediately began to look and see who had written about this, who who had already uh, discovered or had, had been inspired by our father to write this information. And I quickly became frustrated. Uh, it was kind of an odd emotion of mad almost and angry. I was like, I can't be the first one to have put these two things together. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know I'm not that arrogant. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's surely yeah. written about it, but I just simply couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came to find, just trying to you know, be quick here, that reversal of the exodus, I found some key things that transpired, and I, I named four of them briefly, that just uh, stuff that you couldn't make up. One of the first uh, key things to know or understand is that, you know, the last plague that came upon Egypt, which, as you guys know, was, was not just against the, the population in the land, but the plagues were specific to the gods that the Egyptians worshipped, right? He says, Right. These plagues are against the gods of Egypt. So they were specific plagues. But the last plague that came upon Egypt instituted Passover for Israel, right? They were to go into the house, shut the door behind them, place the blood of the lamb over the arch of the door so that the last plague of death would not reach them, would not touch them. Well, that happened as that was instituted as they left Egypt. Fast forward to 70 AD, and it was at the time of Passover that Titus began his assault upon the city of Jerusalem. Mm. Huh, that's that's interesting. But here's what to consider. The very the very institution of that Passover, which was to be a blessing to the peace of people of Israel, which saved them from death, had now actually drawn them to their death because all the children of Israel who were capable would go to Jerusalem to give their sacrifices at the holiest of all temple. Now we're talking to Judah. So now that blessing, which was that this Passover, which was supposed to be a blessing to them that saved them from death, drew them to their death. And so the blessing became a curse. So if you want to understand in biblical terms how something that's a blessing can become a curse, how it can be reversed, that is an example of how that which was to be a blessing became a curse to them. Because Mm -hmm. if they had stayed, the more who had stayed away, the more who would have lived, but because they are drawn. Josephus writes never that, that the Romans and all their conquerings of different lands had never taken a city with so many people in it uh, as they did there. So that's Passover. One of the second things that you ran across is that, you know, they crossed the Red Sea or Reed Sea when they left Egypt, and then they crossed the Jordan uh, River uh, into the land of Canaan. Well, when they were taken by uh, uh, Titus after they conquered, they went by land down into Egypt because Titus was the leader, the head, the general of the 10th Legion. But there were two other legions that took part in the assault upon Jerusalem, the 5th and the 15th. One was stationed in Alexandria, the other in Pannonia, what the time was called Pannonia, uh, in Egypt. Those two legions had joined them. And so they had marched from Israel down into Egypt to return those legions to their posts in, in, in Egypt. But then they t- went by ship 
over the Mediterranean up into Rome. And so they passed over water. So they crossed water again. So that's just one, one interesting thing. Here's, here's a third thing, okay, that just, just will blow your minds. So 700 years prior to the birth of Christ, there were 12 tribes as a whole that shared the land. But 700 years prior to that, there was actually a separation, a divorce that the, the took place. The northern 10 tribes and the southern 10 tribes split so that under, you know, Rehoboam and, and, and Jeroboam, right? So that the northern 10 tribes were called Israel and the southern two tribes primarily, the, the Judah and Benjamin, were in the south together. So that they were split and the, and the northern tribes had already been scattered into Assyria. But the key thing to remember here is that the promise of them going back into Egypt had been given to all 12 tribes when they were present. In 70 AD, there were only two tribes, okay? Only mm. two tribes. That's right. something to remember. Yeah. In 30 BC, Rome, under Octavian, which is, became, whose name was changed to Augustus, uh, they, Rome conquered uh, Egypt under Mark, Antony, and Cleopatra. It was 30 days later that Octavian seized power from them, had them killed. But they, Rome had actually conquered Egypt 30 BC before conquering uh, Israel. So the Egypt was actually the Caesar's personal possession, Octavian, Augustus. Egypt became a property and a part of the country of Rome. Egypt was Rome. But here's something more interesting than that. It was at that time that the Caesars began to be worshipped as gods, just as the pharaohs in Egypt were. Right. It was that time the law was instituted. Caesar had to be worshipped as a god upon pain of death, just as in Egypt. And Caesar, uh, actually, Octavian Augustus, Egypt became his personal possession. And in the land, he became the supreme pharaoh. He inherited the title of pharaoh. Wow, interesting. Prior, I didn't know that. No. It, it, through conquering. Now, here's another thing that's going to blow you away on this Again, just giving evidences of this reversal taking place. So you guys will remember that prior also to the Egyptian or to the Israelites leaving of Egypt, uh, Yahweh told Moses to make a request of the children of Israel that they should request of the Egyptians silver and gold uh, prior to their departure. And it seems kind of odd there, but he had a plan in, in mind. And so they did. But, you know, you think, well, that's kind of odd. Why would they do that? Well, the, the land had experienced 10 plagues. By the time the 10th plague had rolled around, uh, everybody knew what was up. It was a battle between <laughs> the God of Israel and the gods of Egypt. Everybody right. knew because <laughs> everybody was experiencing it. And so when they said, we're, we're going to leave, we just need silver and gold. They were like, you're leaving. All you want is our silver and gold. Okay. 
take it. <laughs> Here's the keys to the Mercedes, uh, the Benz, you know, <laughs> whatever you want, just get out of town, <laughs> right? So they gave them silver and gold. They used that silver and gold uh, in their wandering in the desert to make the ta- uh, implements, the, temp- the tabernacle implements that would be used in the worship. When they made the tabernacle, the, the Ark of the Covenant, the bread pans, you know, the the trumpets, the the candle stand, the candle abras, the lampstands, as they were called, all of, all of that was used to make the the tent of meeting or the tabernacle in the wilderness, and the implements that would be used in the holy worship and the ceremony uh, therein. All that silver and gold, they had more than what they needed, so they used that to make those implements. Fast forward, uh, you know, uh, uh, almost a thousand years. Uh, David then is king of Israel and the southern tribes, and he makes a request to gather those implements to be built, you know, to, to be put together and put into the first temple, which his son Solomon built. Those implements that were created and put together in the wilderness were put together then in the first, uh, the first temple. It was destroyed. Those implements, some, most of them, not all of them, because some of them had been um, wasted away. You can read about that. But they were taken uh, from the temple and into the vaults of Babylon. The scriptures recorded this for us, right? You can see where this is going. Right. Cyrus conquers Babylon, takes that silver and gold, those implements, minus a few others. The Ark of the Covenant wasn't present or whatever, takes that back into Israel where those implements are again then put into the second temple, where there remained until Titus conquered and melted the outer side. And you can actually see the temple implements engraved on a, uh, on a, uh, uh, my words are failing me guys. I'm sorry. On a, <laughs> okay. uh, the picture on the inside of the arch of Titus, you can actually see the slaves of Israel being carried off with the really? whole implements. Wow. And everything. So the, here's here's the crux. Over thousands of years, not just any gold, not just any silver, but the same gold and the same silver that went out of Egypt went back to Egypt. Wow. So we and it and it came time after time after time. All the blessings you can see that were outlined in the scripture, the curses occurred all in a short amount of time in that one time frame at that time period were all the the things that God had done miraculously in saving them in the Exodus and all those feats performed as a blessing happened line by line by line in reverse. I mean, again, it's just stuff that you could not make up proving scripture uh, and history. um, You know, just, it's, it's just, it's just mind boggling, boggling. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I had no idea about that. Uh, the the arch, the the inscriptions on the arch. You really did connect some dots there that I I certainly had never seen connected before. Um, and the, you know, it's interesting the way that you're connecting it uh, throughout history because, as we know, we're still in history. History keeps 
course, those of us who follow uh, biblical prophecy and, and track it through the ages, we, we're already aware of this. But, um, you know, as we move through history, it's good to, to look back and see just how precisely things have been lining up. Because certainly, as we all expect now, uh, things are going to continue to line up, huh? Absolutely. And so I'm getting to the, you know, the point that I'm sure everybody wants to hear about and is, okay, so the arch of Titus. So again, you know, in Matthew uh, 24, Luke 21 and Mark 13, you know, it talks about, you know, the temple. That's where, you know, the Olivet Discourse, <coughs> excuse me, is given. And he tells you, you know, of everything that's about to come upon them. You know, when you see them surround your, you know, surrounding the gates and at your doors, you know, flee to the mountains, uh, right. that kind of thing. Because all those curses that I told you about in Deuteronomy, which they had reversed that we're so ignorant of, they, they reversed on a weekly basis, right? Every Sabbath, uh, they were in the synagogue, in the synagogues, uh, hearing the words of Moses out of the Torah, you know, the Tanakh, the, out of the Torah. They were rehearsing the words of Moses and the prophets. Well, they had been told that this was coming upon them, but this, this image was set up as a direct result of prophecy being fulfilled. So in essence, this image is stating, as I have outlined here, a return unto Egypt. It was a return unto Egypt. This image screams, Egypt has taken over, right? It also makes so much sense. Uh, you read verses... Uh, which I took him. I mean, the, if the father said it, I believe it. Whether I understand why, you know, is another question. I hope for him that, <laughs> right. that there's understanding. But there's verses that became uh, more poignant and, and better understood, not having to be taken figuratively or as a metaphor anymore. Uh, scriptures such as that city and place where our Lord was cru crucified, which is spiritually called Sodom Son and Egypt. Yeah, that's right. That place where he was crucified, spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. It's like, okay, it's spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, but why? Well, this is why. This is part of why. Spiritually, they were in the bondage of Egypt. This image is uh, representative of this bondage, the bondage of Egypt, the rule of Egypt over the land. Now, why I said what I had said earlier, remember that there were only two tribes, some three, there were Levites in there, but principally Judah and Benjamin were the only ones in the land at the time they were scattered, but the promise had been given unto all 12 tribes. They had been scattered, and the scripture uses the term all. What does all mean? All the world. They, had been, they would be scattered into all the world. All means all, so they were scattered into all the world. But the promise was given to 12, and does God lie? Can God be made to be a liar? I don't think he can be. And so the promise having been given cannot be broken. And that's where words and scriptures in the New Testament, like Matthew 5.18, I think become more poignant and can be better understood. It says this, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. All is accomplished. Hmm. What from the law? He, he specifically says the law. The prophecies that are given there are the only things left uh, unfulfilled. 
And so knowing that the northern ten tribes were scattered and knowing that this arch was erected, I knew in my mind immediately when I discovered it, and I thought I was making a connection that there were other arches that were erected uh, throughout the world. And as I discovered, I came, I came to a shocking discovery, one that actually caused me, when I made the discovery, to be uh, – actually, I couldn't sleep for about three days. I didn't <laughs> sleep or eat very well for about a week uh, when I made the discoveries that I thought I was going to make when my hypothesis proved out to be true in that there was another arch. The first one that popped in my head uh, was the Arc de Triomphe that was, that's in, uh, in the middle of Paris, France, right? Right. Well, well when you look at it, when it was erected, uh, for those who have knowledge of history will know that that was actually uh, uh, the commission to erect that was actually given by Napoleon. Napoleon commissioned it to be erected to honor and commemorate his conquering of parts of Israel, but principally Egypt and parts of Babylon. So Napoleon conquered Egypt first. This arch was built to commemorate in Rome. To, so you have Egypt, Babylon, and Rome conquered by Napoleon, and this was the first place that he went. You're in France, right? You, you have the continental system to supply your troops. If you're somebody who's a ruler of a nation and you want to start picking on people and adding territory to your lands, I mean, it just makes sense. Hey, why not just uh, go across the little strait down into Spain, you know, go a little bit east, maybe up north into Britain? No, not this guy. He sails all, you know, he marches his whole army down into Egypt and conquers it first. In Egypt, after in Rome and, and Babylon, after conquering the portions of these lands, he builds the Arch of Titus to commemorate the event. Mm. So I discovered two rules that were laws that have to be spirit that are spiritually in place for the erecting of these triumphal arches is that first the land that is conquered has to have an arch established already it has to happen in succession and before one can be established and that the second rule after having the arch established it doesn't uh, remove the bondage or that image from the from the land if it is conquered so france in commemorating the conquering of this land builds this arch. Napoleon goes to conquer all these other lands, and I know we have a limit on time, so I'll try to speak quickly to this. But basically, around the eight, late 1700s, 1800s, we have the Napoleonic Wars raging across the world. It's the first world, true world war in our modern era. Napoleon, Napoleon and his armies are trying to crush everywhere. So the first area, uh, the areas uh, of Prussia and Bavaria and all that are in the modern area, for those who maybe have forgotten their geography a little bit, in the air place where we call Germany, right? So Prussia uh, leaves the uh, coalition that was fighting on behalf of Napoleon. This happened a lot towards the later years where those who were fighting along with and supplying Napoleon's troops uh, turned against them and made treaties against them. 
uh, with each other to defend the land. So Prussia joins with Bavaria, and they defeat Napoleon. What do they do to commemorate the event uh, uh, and the defeating of Napoleon? They build a triumphal arch. Bavaria builds a triumphal arch. That's just one to commemorate the event. So we see a succession beginning to take place. Yeah, Britain a, definitely a tradition, also, huh? Well, it became it, it it became clear to me that it was it was not just tradition. It from was the, from the outside, there was maybe spiritual. There was something very significant, spiritually speaking, going on here. There was establishment of a kingdom. So remember that when Rome conquered Egypt, they inherited the titles, right? right. They inherited the titles. We know this. Anybody who watched, uh, you guys were just kids then. I'm a little bit older than both of you. But uh, back in the 80s, um, it wasn't uh, uncommon to watch you know, one of the old movies uh, of uh, kings and queens and stuff like that. And they would announce the king, right? And it was five minutes of giving of his title, of <laughs> the king of England, right? <laughs> right? The first duke of so-and-so, the second earl of this, the third whatever. It's like, okay, why all the titles? How did they gain all those titles? Well, the kings inherited them. How did they inherit them? From, the, from conquering lands. They inherited mm-hmm. the titles from conquering lands. So what does that mean? Anybody who conquers a land also inherits the titles. So if... France conquered Rome, which held the title of Pharaoh. What does that mean spiritually in a legal sense mean? Mm. It also means that Napoleon, spiritually speaking, legally had a right to the title Pharaoh. That's crazy. (laughs) It's some intense stuff. Yeah, that is crazy. That is definitely something I'm not. So this is why it became important and why I read those scriptures in Matthew 5.18 is that since the northern ten tribes had been scattered throughout all the world and God could not be called a liar, since they could not go to Egypt in 70 AD, then Egypt would come to them. And that everywhere that this arch expands, and by the way, all these arches that are created going back 2,000 years to the Arch of Titus are still standing. Wow. They're all still standing. We can't get buildings to last past 100 years very well. But for an arch (laughs) built 2,000 years ago to be standing through all the earthquakes and everything else and wars and stuff, for it to still be standing today? Yeah. That's wild. And, I mean, that's kind of one of the – I see a theme coming through, and especially with the the proliferation of these arches and the uh, amount of – I mean, just years, thousands of years that they can stand. I mean, there's a spiritual significance to that. What are the ways that, uh, you know, this spiritual significance uh, are playing out today? Well, uh, uh, good question, good lead to where I was going. So Britain, Spain, and France in the late 18, in the early 1800s were all vying for world domination, right? Uh, they were fighting uh, in their homeland and all across uh, central uh, in Europe. Uh, they were fighting over there, but they were also had set their eyes west, and all were trying to stake uh, the land west. Hello, North America. 
So you had France, <laughs> Spain, and uh, Britain all trying to control and conquer North America. They were fighting each other at home and abroad. Right. Britain, Britain fought uh, uh, Spain and France and Britain. All these guys had alliances when, at one time. It was just a mix of things. But then Spain and Britain turned against France and started fighting against France and each other. Uh, for you know, Spain and and and, and Britain kind of left each other alone a little bit for the most part. Mostly, they were just all against Napoleon. But Britain eventually, long short of it, Britain eventually defeated uh, France in Spain to commemorate under uh, uh, Duke Wellington, Sir Arthur Wellingsley, who was the Duke of Wellington, as he was known, to commemorate the event in uh, Green Park. They erected the Green Park Arch in his honor. <laughs> the arch, Jeez. they erected an Arc de Triomphe to commemorate the event. Remember, Britain and France and Spain were all fighting for territories in North America. We all know the story of how that went down. Uh, after the Revolutionary War, after the Civil War, North America became independent. They defeated Britain. They had a civil war with between the North and the South. The North defeated the South. At the very same time, during this very same three-year period, two arches were erected at the very same time in New York. And uh, the soldier is called the Soldiers and Sailors Arch and the Washington Park, uh, Washington Arch in in the United States to commemorate those events. So in other words, they built the Revolutionary War and the Civil War arches at the same time. Why is that significant? Because again, the line of succession had to remain intact. It had to remain in place. You could not build a arch to commemorate the Civil War unless the First War commemoration had been erected. They were both erected during the same years. In the United States. So, again, that's why this book is entitled the way that it is, is that now the world is in the bondage of Egypt. This image is the representation of that knowledge, that understanding, that spiritual truth, and it's fulfilling God's word so that now there is really literally almost no country, India, Russia, uh, even Korea, uh, all of them now have established these arches. So that literally, and it's and they followed this law of succession. Yeah. Those armies that took part, the world is now in the bondage of Egypt. I think fulfilling the prophecies now, you know, as the word is said, since Israel was scattered throughout all the world and. You know, any one of us could, if you don't know your genealogy, likely has northern tribe Israel, Israeli blood in their family tree somewhere because they were scattered throughout all the world. They intermingled with all the nations. And so, literally speaking, that word, those words in Matthew 5, 18, until all could be filled, the world is in the bondage of Egypt under the triumphal arch of Titus, under the Ark de Triumph. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, that's incredible. Now, it's like it setting together. up Yeah, it's like setting up uh 
I don't know, a little, little, uh, what well, is the word I'm trying to think? It's almost like altars all over the world to this, this spiritual domination. Yeah. And especially because we're talking about big uh, buildings, you know, s- very specific architecture. I mean, it really screams some connections to, uh, you know, mystery religions, the, uh, you know, the secret knowledge, the Freemasons, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, by a sacrifice of blood. Through war, wow. right? Wow. Through sacrificial bloods where men totally. were sacrificed. Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay. So now it's all coming together, I man. I'm seeing the dots. I'm seeing your dots <laughs> are laying out here. Like me. To me, again, it then made again so much more sense then. Why? Because in Revelation we see not all, but most of the plagues that were came upon Egypt under their exodus are repeated again in the book of Revelation. If right. you're a futurist like me, right. it's not arbitrary. Why? Right. Because the same gods that oppressed them are oppressing us today. Not different ones, the same ones. Right. The same ones. Little G gods. Now, yeah. it's a very interesting yeah. thing. It makes so much more sense of Tom. Tom Horn's work when he was talking about you know the the ritual that is performed uh, in the raising uh, every time a new uh, president is elected right they do a raising of the dead ceremony where right. they invoke uh, the president to become the next pharaoh right the Egyptian iconography that is in Washington D.C. right we had the phallus right there at the end of the dome right Gans you've done so much work on this I you know. I, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, the, the apotheosis of George Washington, that, all that stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. But if you couple that knowledge with what I've shared with you here today, I want to point your attention to, to, to a couple things. First, uh, one of those is that uh, everybody knows what uh, Obama did. But do you remember that when he was in office, he made a trip to Egypt to to and he visited the 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 pyramids and and looked at the iconography and the sarcophagus and the masks that were there specifically. I the do one remember. I remember him doing it. Um, I'm just yeah. pulling up some images okay. of it here to see if I can show something while we're doing it. We're talking about it, but yeah. yeah. So he was looking. There was one quotable article that was repeated across all the news articles, and it was talking about. And it had an image of Obama next to Tutankhamun's mask. And you remember what he said? No. He say? looks like me. Mm. He, I, rem- wow. I, know, <laughs> I, I, I know of that because of um, the work that, uh, gosh, his name is escaping me. And I feel really bad because he's been, oh, Freeman Fly. Freeman Fly yeah. had been talking about Obama being a clone of uh, Akhenaten for some time. So right. I had been familiar right. with that, but. But I didn't know he actually well, stood he, next to the statue and yeah, he said he looks like me. But it's not; it's more than those words. If you remember that again, the successive nations who conquered had also access to the titles. Then, when he was saying that, and if they're in on the secret, as many of us believe that they are, that they're indoctrinated and given uh, occult knowledge. Uh, in those high offices, when he was saying he looks like me, it had a double meaning. Right. You want to you want to know what Pharaoh looks like? 
look at me is essentially yeah, I, what he was saying. I got to give a shout out. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Lizboa in uh, in the Twitch channel. She had the answer before you even. Well, actually, I don't know if it's a she, he or she, but Lizboa had the answer before we revealed it on the show. So you get history points, Lizboa. <laughs> um, Excellent. Excellent. Chad, so, I hate to jump. I hate to jump in real quick, but I got to do it really quick. Um, we are bumping up against my time, so I'm going to have to leave you with Gons to finish this out. But it yeah. has just been such a pleasure, and I am definitely going to be returning to uh, this episode to uh, make sure to get the rest of the story because I'm a little jealous that Gons gets to stay <laughs> and, and get the full story. But, Chad, right. it has been such a pleasure talking to you. And, oh, my pleasure, uh, and, too. And we'll, we'll get in contact again, buddy. Okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll send you a copy of the book when I get some more in. Uh, Absolutely. I'll send you a copy, brother. That would be fantastic. Okay, I'm going to head out. Thank you, everybody, for um, joining and watching live. And Gons, you got this, buddy. I believe in you. All right. Um, if you're going to come off the call, it might mess up the way Chad looks. So uh, we'll see what happens here. I will, I will uh, do my super sneaky anti-NSA cover the camera. Okay. Excellent. As to not mess anything up. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> this is my respirator. Okay. <laughs> you're still there. I still hear you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Here I go. Okay. Farewell. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you were, you were talking about how Obama, basically that double meaning. Uh, yeah, totally. That he, so right now you're saying that Trump right now is currently Pharaoh. Status. Currently, he had legally has a right to the title. Correct. Any president who does, anyone who's holding the office of the leader of the land, spiritually speaking, through the spiritual laws that are in place, right? Because when we know these laws are in place, because how did Canaan become Israel? How did it become their land? Right, they conquered yeah. the land, and yeah. so that's how it became their land. And so it's a spiritual law that is in place. That if a land is conquered, you inherit the titles that came with the land, if you desire to do so. And we see throughout the last 2,000 years of history that that desire has been there. Uh, when you understand, you know, the work that uh, someone like Gary Wayne has done in tracing the genealogies, right? Yeah. You see in uh, pointing out the kings of, uh, of uh, specifically of uh, of Europe, Britain, right, and London, uh, Britain specifically, and how, uh, and, you know, Mary, <laughs> Queen of Scots, uh, you know, Henry of France, and, and uh, or, or Henry of uh, England, and then um, Edward, I think, is it Edward uh, of France? They were all cousins, right? They yeah. were all cousins, <laughs> It's, it's kind of strange because it's it's one of those things where, and I think it brings up a good point, you mentioned about how it's the same gods behind all of this. And that's that's such an important point because it, it jives with um, a sentiment I had early on when I started to research all this stuff. And it really seemed to me that humanity are like victims of this supernatural entity force, whatever's going on with the, with the gods, because even the people that have been basically tagged as this bloodline, the succession, all this stuff, 
they didn't necessarily they weren't necessarily asking to be born into this world under those successive you know uh mm. trees or whatever so it's one of those issues mm. obviously human pride all those things can get to your head and you know the scriptures are, are fairly straightforward about um, especially the temptation of jesus in the desert when the you know the devil says worship me i'll give you all the all the kingdoms um mm. that that temptation is going to be there for sure with these people a lot more than maybe your common folk you know you and i in terms of that level right. but but it's a spiritual battle it really is we wrestle not against flesh and blood because all of humanity like those are our fellow humans made in the image of god but they're being pulled into this other system and that's been this battle that we're stuck in the spiritual war that we're we've been in for all this time um i think it, it brings such clarity to that and it and it's pretty evident <laughs> evidential in, in the arches it's just like you can't deny it if you look at the succession like you have so it's pretty quite remarkable if you yeah, ask me I, I think you know there was a couple you know first i was just blown away too when when what i what I thought I was going to find was proven to be true. Number one, as I began the research and, and started looking into it and digging out the details of the histories, which I outlined in the book, by the way, you know, all of that in the book. But the other thing that it did for me, uh, Gons, in this is that, you know, a lot of times in my life before when I'd read the scriptures, I mean, I knew my father was real, that I had a relationship with him for everyday living. What it really did is it connected me in a real powerful way to history. That the Bible story is my story. That the things that were prophesied in scripture concern me and, and include me. And that that story is still being written. That it's not just the past and the present. It's one continual inclusive story that I and my life is included in. You know, uh, I have a title in the chapter that I call The Greater Exodus. That's probably not a term that uh, people are unfamiliar with who listen to your show, but I call it The Greater Exodus, and I think it has more of a significant meaning when it comes to the end times and what others may call the rapture. Uh, you know, whether you're pre-post or pre-rath, whatever, uh, the the terms that the scripture uses is regathering and resurrection. Those are the terms that the scriptures use. And the regathering, right? What's that? That's a that's a coming together. And and this and I give all the scriptures to talk about that. It says when that occurs, whenever that is, whatever timing you happen to hold to is, whatever that is. Uh, how will the future? It's a significant event. Uh, the Father's angels are sent out throughout the land uh, and to gather the people and lead them into the promised land, to Israel, and to take that land. Well, if you're a futurist, uh, pointing out the scriptures that now hold more significance for me, and there are others that are probably lesser known, but there's one uh, in particular in the book of Revelation, which most people who listen to you have read. It says that those who come out of the tribulation sing a song, but it's very interesting. They sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. It says that they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Why the song of Moses? Mm. Well, because the world is in Egypt. The world is in the bondage of Egypt, wherever they are. And so to sing the song of Moses and to cross through the waters, pass through the waters again, back to the land. 
also brings significance again to that first crossing because remember they crossed water once to go back into bondage. That means that there is a second crossing of bodies of water to take place for all the world to go back to the land and enter again, once again, conquering people into the land of Israel. Hmm. I don't know about you, God, but when I think about that, it just gives me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, it's that's crazy. That's just like whoa. It's we're, it's it's wild how you you've been able to piece together so much of history since, well, well before uh, the cross and everything, but especially since then. And I mean, we're just right in it. We're we're at it. Like you can almost see where we're at in the timeline. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, it's, and, and, and especially. I mean, right. I mean. What is not on everybody's minds today is we're stuck inside. Yeah. Here's the thing, Gans. When are we being driven to into our houses to shut the door behind us? When there's judgment. Passover. 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 Yeah. It's the time of Passover. Yeah, that is very interesting. Yep. There's got to be that. That did cross my mind. Obviously, you know that there were people joking about you know should I put blood on my door or you know that kind of thing. But it's, yeah, it is remarkable. It's like, what, what's, uh, and you know, the, the, the other passage that, and I'm, I'm always looking at Revelation 13 and the Mark and stuff. Um, and I always go back to Ezekiel 9 and like the whole judgment that happened there where uh, basically, you know, God was marking the foreheads of those who were mourning in Israel, in mm -hmm. Jerusalem. Yes. And th they were the saved and, and the marks, yeah, and the marks on the doors as well. And then those people were saved and then everybody else was taken out so it's kind of like oh ooh, that's scary kind of like it like a reverent fear you know not fear of the lord and, and not right. like scared of god but like like hey he's god's real too and he can strike back these other gods sure they have control they have all the stuff but when when our father strikes it's like ooh, that's gonna well, be know, pretty rough John, as basil said there, there are so many people now being driven uh, who because of the events who maybe we're not uh, paying much attention to things or finding shows like ours uh, and yours that are discussing these things that, you know, they've got a little bit, we've got their attention. There's more people listening, yeah. you know, it's time to wake up. Uh, you know, your life is, is not a game. You know, uh, there are things very serious that are transpiring, whether you want to uh, believe that uh, COVID uh, and all this is a conspiracy or not is not the point. You have to deal with the reality of what's taking place around us yeah. and you have to operate in that. And so if you have not, uh, you've heard that term maybe awoke or Illuminati, uh, those things folks have become, you know, kind of a, a pun or a byword or funny. Yeah, it's almost but a folks joke. Are, they're very real. They're very serious. It's it's not a joke <laughs> to you guys who are finding this and listening this first time. I I implore you to consider the words of Scripture again. You know, maybe again, or read them for the first time and understand that those words are true. They have always been true, and they will continue to be true as those words that were written therein continue to unfold. In, in our even our present day I'll add one thing guys and then I'll let you continue on and ask me wherever you want to go here for the time we have remaining people can go to my website guys it's www.thearchesofegypt.com 
thearchesofegypt.com. If you don't want to type all that out, you can barely, you can very simply use, just use my name, www.chad, C-H-A-D, Schaefer, S-C-H-A-F, like Frank, E-R.com. Both take you to the same place. If you go to the store and click on the left image that appears there at the top of the page, the soft cover copy, if you use the promo code on checkout Canary in capital letters, C-A-N-A-R-Y, those folks who do that and use that code will get 10% off the book uh, when they purchase it from me directly from my website. You can find it on Amazon. It is available on uh, Kindle as well through Amazon. Uh, for those of you part of the Amazon Readers Club, you can actually download it for free. You can download it digitally on my site for free, cheaper than what you can buy it on Amazon. If you don't have the Readers Club, you can download a digital copy on my website. And uh, if you buy it from me directly, though, the soft cover, of course, you get the benefit. I'll autograph it and send you a little message in there or something uh, when I send it to you. More of that personal touch. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I'm, I've been showing it on the screen here and I shared it in the chat. So hopefully people can uh, go check out the link. Uh, you said Canary was the promo code, right? Or the promo. Canary word? is the promo code. Correct. Perfect. All right. Get a few bucks off the book there to, to support Chad. So um, I only have a few minutes left as well, but I, I am curious as to uh, where we sit today. What do you think is going to happen? There's a, There's been a lot of... Um, as we record this on April 3rd here, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk right now. The internet is filled with all sorts of theories and, and, uh, people pointing at Easter time being a a time that will probably, you know, something might go down, whatever Trump coming out saying it's going to be a tough couple weeks. Um, what do you think is really the end game here? Obviously the lockdown that the, the freedoms being taken away is really troubling. What do you, I mean, at this point it's kind of like people are just kind of going with it, you know, and if you try to go against it, you're really. So one of the big questions here, guns that a lot of people are asking is this, is this man's plan or God's plan, right? Is this something that men are doing? uh, And, and, but obviously God allows it. Well, you know, there are a couple of things here, you know, uh, I'll, I'll put it another way. I'll put it another way. What are you supposed to think when the person, the adversary chooses to fulfill their will is the same person God has chosen to to fulfill his will? What are you supposed to think of that? And I'm talking specifically about a person by the name of Judas in this case. Yeah. See, the temple priests had chosen Judas to be their guy to solve their problem. But he was also the very person that Yahweh had chosen to fulfill his plan for man. And so you have, again, now in our current day, you know, you can say that this was the working and the doing of men, right? But why would they work so hard to cause people to fulfill what God had commanded the people to do all along is uh, in, in, in Passover? and to observe his feast. You know, so whether you want to think that it's man's plan or God's plan, you can just rest assured, you can just rest assured, God is in control. If you trust him and obey him, that's the simplest thing we can do. You will be okay. Now that doesn't mean physically you're always going to be comfortable. 
or that you're always going to feel like you may have all the physical needs that we have uh, been so blessed to experience before. But in a very real sense, you can be rest assured that God's plan is being carried out and that he hasn't forgotten us. He has not forgotten you. He will, just as he always had, take care, love, protect, and, and do all that he does as our father to he, look after and, and, and care for his children, those who seek him, those who love him, those who follow him, to continue carrying out and doing the very things that we've always been commanded to do. Love one another, help one another, be there for one another, be a light in a dark place. This world, I can say, is becoming increasingly dark. I'm going to give one more just brief analogy here to answer that question, Gans, perhaps to kind of answer this question for people. One of the things, one of the reasons that I believe we're beginning to see more of the birth pangs, or as some of have been calling them Braxton Hicks, <laughs> you know, the Braxton <laughs> yeah. Hicks or the birth pangs. One of the reasons yeah. I believe that these are now beginning to become more prevalent is because of obedience, because those who have loved the Lord have become more serious about their faith. They have become more vocal about exposing the darkness. And I'll tell you why it is that way. If uh, this is just a, a small illustration to give explanation to that. Let's say you have a toddler care, right? Uh, you have five and six-year-olds there, They uh, seven-year-old maybe, and they've all just, they can read basic sentences. They're in a room, and in this room, there are posted 10 rules for how they are to play with one another in this room. Now, if every child in there is being disobedient, you can't really punish any of them, even though the, the rules have been posted for all to see. You can't really be sure that anybody has read and understood them. However, if out of that room full of the toddlers, the young children, there is one of them who reads the instructions, follows the instructions, and then tells the others that the instructions are there to be heeded, judgment, can now begin to take place for the rest of them because none of them can say you were not told it was not shared with you and an example had not been given of what it means to follow them so if judgment is going to increase it is only be going to be because those who follow our father become more and more obedient to him because it is an example unto the people of God's righteousness and judgment and justice can be carried out by the father. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 100%. I agree with you there. It's almost like it, did God do it or is man doing it? It's almost like the wrong question. Um, especially when you start looking at some of the prophetic ways in which God has acted in history. Uh, it's, yes. it's not really up to us to really determine all that or know all the details with that, but um, it, yeah, it, I think, you know, it, yeah. It, yeah. The scripture says, in, you know, in heed his words, and it says in the, one of the scriptures, and so hasten the day of his coming. Okay. Yeah. 
people have always wondered, what do you mean by how can we hasten the day of his coming? Well, I just gave the example of how our obedience hastens the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I always am reminded, um, again, I, I like, I love my revelation 13. It's verse 10 here in the ESV. It says, if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes, if anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the slain, uh, with the sword, must he be slain? Here is a call for the endurance and f- uh, faith of the saints. Mm. I mean, that's it's not pl- that's not a pleasant message to the church. You know, it's not like yeah. hey, everything's going to be all right. It's like right. no, you're going to have to stand, and and that's that's where I think right now in this country, um, those of faith, it, a lot of that's going to become really transparent um, based on how we act in certain situations. And it's hard because sometimes it feels like maybe someone's doing it for attention. Maybe someone's just, you know, this is a, a great publicity stunt to get, you know, whatever it is. So there's, there's some of that going on. But at the same time, the stuff that you don't hear about necessarily, the stuff that won't be necessarily shared all over social media, oh, look at this injustice, look at all that. It's where the, the, the cameras aren't where a lot of this right. stuff is going to be played out. So, you know, keep that in mind is because I, I think we get, we forget that like uh, on the internet, we have these things we share, we see this evidence and we see all this information, but there's so much that happens that's not recorded and shared on the internet, on social media. And, and we just have to keep that in mind that it's just a piece of what we're seeing go on here. Um, but yeah, I always go back to this passage because it's, it's such a sobering message um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and comforting at the same time, because it just gives you confidence that like God understood the predicaments that his people will be in all throughout history. It's just for yeah. us in America, especially it's like the first time we have to really step up and, and sure. you know, be like, Hey, we're really for this. I mean, for a lot of us, for someone like me, I feel like that's really, you know, coming to a head uh, in our generation. Um, maybe mm-hmm. it's just the age we're at or whatever, but I know every generation goes through this one way or another. Um, but especially in the U S people haven't seen anything quite like this. So I know there's a lot of fear out there. Yeah, It's it's a uh, surreal feeling. And I was thinking about this actually just yesterday. Uh, You know, maybe I think guys experience more often than what uh, women may, but you know, I I go to the bathroom and I shave too, but uh, (laughs) I, and I have the mirror right there, but I don't often look at the details of my own face. Right. And it's, uh, there'll there'll be large swaths of time where that ever occurs where I'll actually just look at the details of my own face and I'm like oh there's been some changes I didn't notice that took place sometime here and it almost <laughs> feels like that way at the world we went to bed you know thought thinking that we understood what the world looked like how it was operating where it was going and then we woke up the next day and suddenly we don't recognize it uh, right. anymore. You know, this it's this, and it's a surreal uh, shock, uh, you know, to the system. Uh, we're, yeah. we're, we, we will we will adapt. We will understand it. But that's that's part of the problem, <laughs> too, is that, you know, what how much should we be adapting? How much should we be giving up? You know, right. When right. is the rubber going to meet the road where, you know, there's going to come a line for each of us that are going to say, you know what, I can't, this is not one that I can accept anymore uh, well, yeah, uh, when it I, comes to those things that are being opposed upon us. 
Um, yeah. Other than so. like, as we record this, other than all the crazy things that could happen uh, with maybe like alien disclosure, we had the CIA on on April Fool's Day. I think all of that's tweet. on the table, guys. Oh yeah, I think they're ready to start really <laughs> putting some craziness out there. Oh, and absolutely, um, they're desperate, right? And the adversary is yeah. desperate. Why? Because he knows his time is short, and so yeah. you know they can't wait any longer. They they're, they're moving. They're moving. We're seeing yeah, it all so, around us. So it'll be really interesting to see how, obviously, I don't think things will go back to the way they were. But again, there is a time, even if they do a disclosure, this kind of thing, an event, an earthquake, whatever it might be, an asteroid, there's all kinds of, you know, I know some people don't even believe asteroids are real, but whatever it may be, that's going to be the pain that's brought out in the next couple of weeks. You know, the uh, some kind of um, militia uh, movement, whatever, whatever it is. There's got to be a point, lest the Lord returns, uh, that things go back to semi-normal, like more so like mm. everyone's back trying to work or whatever. And in well, that, that's, that, yeah. I'm saying it's that's that point. Fine line that they're, it's a very fine line that they're trying to walk here. Because yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, if they go too long, then then people are just going to start going crazy. Like it, there's going to be well, yeah, riots and people will go nuts. Um, and, and, and that's the thing, if they press too hard, at least in this country, I'm fairly confident in the United States with the amount of people that have, uh, that are, that are armed, it's not going to be super easy to just completely lock everybody down for a really long period of time. I think there'll, there'll come a point where people start kind of looking around like, okay, this virus thing was whatever, like, you know, but something else is going on and then they start stepping forward in that way. So I, I just don't think they can keep us in that place for very long. At the same time, you never know. If they pull out a, a disaster, if they start blowing up um, nuclear uh, you know, facilities and stuff like that, they can pull off all kinds of volcanoes, earthquakes. I mean, wh- who knows what tools they have, but it all kind of ties back to what you were saying with uh, the Battle of the Gods. Even It's even crazier now, I would imagine, the potentialities of what they might pull off with large populations. Because if they're able to, if, if the supernatural powers allowed the Pharaoh to, to you know, bring about all this kind of stuff back in the Old Testament, we know that there's going to be counterfeit signs and wonders. And I don't think it's just going to be, oh, really high tech. I really do think there's going to be an element to this that's like, whoa, it's going to marvel everybody and go, wow, this is, this is something even crazier than we ever thought existed. And that, that kind of thing can really push us into a time where, wow, deception, there's false prophets, false Christs everywhere, and uh, even being perpetrated by, by certain nations, whatever it may be. I mean, it, it can spiral into all the geopolitical things that need to take place in a short period of time very quickly if things continue to develop in this way. But again, I always say we see through a glass darkly and we don't know exactly all the timings, but... It certainly seems like, and I think you've shown in your book, clear evidence that there's a succession here, a spiritual succession um, yes. uh, of, of, of both God protecting his people, but also the gods favoring certain bloodlines throughout history to carry forth their agenda. And yeah, it's going to come I, to a head. And, and I don't hold it insignificant, uh, Gans. You know, everybody asks that question why when you when you make when you seem to be the first in something you ask that question you know you you want to ask that why me but the really poignant question that i had asked why now 
these this these things have remained hidden from the general public sight. Of course, the occult understood it. Yeah, but the from the from the general populace and certainly the believing uh, uh, members of the world were ignorant of what transpired over the last two thousand years when it comes to these things. I don't hold it insignificant that the Father has allowed us together then to see the meaning of these things. And if so, why? Why now expose them Yeah, openly to yeah, everyone absolutely. and anyone who can find it? Yeah, I think it's not insignificant. And if they're being exposed now, you know, what, what happens when, you know, those things that love the dark are exposed? Right. Start the, acting crazy. <laughs> start going fight nuts. or flight, right? Fight, fight or flight. flight. They start getting crazy. Yeah, that's why I'm worried yeah, that, that when you corner an animal, right, the first thing they want to do is they any animal they feel like they're threatened will try to get away, you know, evade you. But if you put them in a corner where they feel like they can't get out, or they're being cornered, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well. um I, I, we can talk about this for hours on end. Um, oh, yeah, gotta wrap absolutely. it up here because I gotta get yeah I gotta get back to to the baby. No, I understand. And take care of her. Um, but I appreciate your time here, Chad. We gotta have you back on, and we can. Uh, we didn't really have too much time to interact with the chat, but in the future, we'll definitely be able to do that and, and get some questions in from the audience. Oh, absolutely, um, I'd love to. Yeah, one more time, let people know where to go and uh, all the ways they can support what you're doing. Well, you can find me on Facebook, of course. You can find me on Twitter at Schaefmeister. Uh, that's a, primarily the way Gons and I have been communicating. That's at S-C-H-A-F-E-M-E-I-S-T-E-R at Schaefmeister. You can email me. You can go to my website, the world, uh, thearchesofegypt.com, or just use my name, chadschaefer.com. Go to the store uh, for the soft cover. Use the promo code CANARY, C-A-N-A-R-Y, and receive 10% off of the book. I'll ship it to you directly for 10% off. Uh, but I, I'm uh, everywhere. You can email me, of course, through my website. You can find previous interviews that I've done uh, on my website. Uh, more information. I'm happy to answer any questions uh, once people get the book and start reading. Uh, you know, I only ask that if you get it through Amazon or anywhere, or even if you get it through me and you have an Amazon account, read it. Leave a review, you know, share it with folks. If you found it fascinating, if you think it's good information to have, uh, help me out and share it with your friends and your family. Let them know. Use it as an apologetic tool to say, hey, you've always thought the, the Bible was uh, stuff. Well, here's, uh, you know, here's more information that, that gives more evidence to the scriptures being very real and true and accurate and everything they've said, including prophecy. So. Uh, Amen. Use it as an apologetic. Uh, thank you, Gans and Basil, for having me on. Like I said, it's such an honor and privilege after listening to you guys so long and for so many years to actually get to talk to you about this. is a, Well, it's a grace to me, and I, and I thank the Father for it. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Gans, I couldn't believe that I had not heard about this earlier. Yeah, I, I know that Chad had shared the book with me a while ago, and uh, I was familiar with some of the content, but it's it's nice to flush it all out, and uh, Chad did a great job with the book, so definitely check out the book. Uh, you'll find links in the description, or you can go to thearchesofegypt.com 
and you can look for the book there. That's right. And I would like to formally apologize to Chad for taking so long to get this onto the RSS feed. It's nothing personal, buddy. We just got so caught up with all the craziness and working so hard on our new uh, expanded version of Canary Cry News Talk. So uh, thank you very much, Chad, for your patience and make sure everybody to check out his work and get the book. And while we're on the subject, uh, you heard us talk about it before, but if you haven't listened to Canary Cry News Talk recently, it's about time you check in. Uh, We've done about a hundred, I think we've done over a hundred episodes just in the past six months or so, Gons. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think we started uh, pretty much when everything shut down in March, so... I think, yeah, six, seven months, maybe. Yeah, I know. It's crazy doing pretty much three episodes a week, every single week, and they're much more expanded. You know, we started doing Canary Cry News Talk just as a a practice in consistency. And, uh, you know, we were doing one show a week and they were a half hour long and it was just kind of a little taste. But now, my goodness, we get to really dive in. And don't worry, it's not just all about... Uh, the horrible news and politics and things like that. We really touch a wide range of uh, news topics. But the great thing is, because now we have more time to talk about it, we're able to connect the dots. Not only do we uh, analyze the communication happening in the news, um, but we also get to connect dots that you really don't get to connect unless you spend, you know, the type of time. I mean, there there have been weeks where we've put out 10 hours uh, over three episodes of Canary Cry News Talk. It is really a great exploration. Those of you who are on the Canary Cry News Talk train, you guys know that it has really turned into a wonderful uh, show, but it's also a wonderful exploration of how reality is being crafted around us, um, as well as a great community, the community of Canary Cry News talk has really exploded and uh, really tight knit and I don't know it's just been incredible and remember that uh, we will be posting all three episodes every week so you'll get a new podcast to listen to on Monday Wednesday and Friday we broadcast those live all over the internet on uh, the Face Like the Sun YouTube, the Canary Cry Radio YouTube. We also have twitch.tv slash Canary Cry Radio, as well as DLive and a couple other places you're going to want to tune in on. Um, And yeah, you know, it's really a great, consistent exploration of just how those in power have been crafting our reality, both in, on a long-term basis, but we also get to see it because we do the show so often, we really get to analyze it almost in real time. It's been a really uh, rewarding experience for Gons and I, and uh, if if the reviews are to be, be believed, uh, the community surrounding the listeners, the audience, the producers of the show, that's right, I said producers, uh, there's a lot of good things being said about it. So if you haven't done it yet, make sure to check out Canary Cry News Talk on whatever podcatcher you're using or try to catch a live show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, and uh, the great thing about Canary Cry News Talk and what we've been doing there is uh, the community building it has been just incredible. 
as you sort of alluded to there, people sending in art, jingles, music. Uh, it's become a collective effort and to really build up the Canary Cry community. So uh, definitely join in because, uh, you know, if you, if you feel like there's not a lot of people in your life that talks about these issues, well, not only do we have a great group of people to do that with, we also have a good time with it. You know, that, that's the one thing that's missing with a lot of these shows is, uh, you know, just having a, having a joyful outlook on some of the more troubling yeah. things happening in the world and, uh, you know, keeping that joy as your show joy conspiracy right. theory does, but, you know, we sort of extend Ooh. that, uh, that, that, uh, sentiment into the Canary Cry news talk world. And I think it's healthy for people. People need to realize that, yeah, it's bad, but you know, what are you going to do? Sit around and be all freaked out and, you know, <laughs> fearful all day long, or you're going to make fun of it, you know? So we, we, we choose yeah. the latter. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's, I've had a lot of people early on in the Canary Cry News Talk revolution that started earlier this year. You know, a lot of people saying, ah, I don't need to listen to another news show. I hate the news. I, I don't want to be brainwashed, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, let me tell you, tuning into Canary Cry News Talk is not like any other news show that you will have experienced. And not only is it the news, but it's also a great exercise in critical thinking. Yeah. I mean, how often do you get to have, again, I mean, I, I think we, we're we doing a, somewhere between seven and ten hours every week at this point. It's, it's a great opportunity, you know, to take seven hours out of your week having fun exploring a broad range of uh, news and uh, current events, but also exercising critical thinking uh, at the same time. And we get to do it together and with a great community of people. And there's, like you mentioned, Gans, there's fun stuff like listener art, listener jingles. We have a Canary Cry mixtape at the end of every episode that is filled with music, uh, Canary Cry-themed music created by producers. And I'm telling you, these are some of the some of my favorite songs <laughs> really quick. And so you're going to want to check it out. There's also some other fun stuff. Um, I can't remember if we ever mentioned this on any of our past Canary Cry Radio episodes, Gons, but we have an off Facebook, that's a, an anti-Facebook social media platform, all devoted to Canary Cry community members. And the way to get there is by going to canarycry.com community. That's right. That's the whole URL, canarycry.community. And uh, it is a great place to fellowship with other Canarians just like yourself. Um, there's a lot of discussion about current events and conspiracy theories and all sorts of funky stuff. But there's also just great uh, fellowship times. There's uh, a meme extravaganza. People are sharing memes. There's the prayer wall. People are uh, sharing things that are happening in their life, uh, having opportunities to discuss uh, whether they're having problems in their life and get some Christ-like advice from other people just like them. But there's also, uh, you know, just general chit-chat. And the greatest part about it is it is not on Facebook. That's right. <laughs> you can quit Facebook if that's what you're looking to do and uh, get connected with other Canarians just like you. Nobody's getting triggered 
triggered. Nobody's getting mad at each other. Everybody's free to talk about whatever they want. And it is not connected to any big brother algorithms or anything like that. No advertising, no uh, algorithms deciding what you can and can't talk about. It's really a great experience. So I'd recommend, again, check out canarycry.community. One last thing that I want to mention before we tune out here is Canary Cry Merch Perch. And this is actually something where people have been asking us about swag. And I think for a little while we had a, a little swag, swag store. But uh, yeah. Yeah, we We've haven't tried. been able to. Yeah, we We've tried. tried multiple times to get our merch game together. But honestly, it's just too much work for you and I to it do. It is. It is. So uh, we, we asked the community if they wanted to step up and do it, then uh, we're all game. And uh, there was a producer. His name is Producer Dust. Yes. He came forward and he decided to put together CanaryCryMerchPerch.com. And you can go there and uh, there's a way to get all the material that you'd want. Canary Cry shirts and sweatshirts. And there's a shirt with my mug on it. I don't know <laughs> if anyone's bought that one yet, but uh, great stuff. And we're going to take all the artwork done by the producers and uh, we're just, you know, making swag out of it because, yeah. uh, you know, we're just we're cool like that. Well, to be to be clear, we are not doing this. This is uh, completely run by a Canary Cry producer, which is somebody who has devoted themselves to uh, helping out the show and helping out the community connected with it. And yeah, right now there's uh, a lot of Canary Cry Radio, Canary Cry News Talk logo shirts. There's one of a drawing that a, a, an artist, a producer did of Gonza's face. There's also some masks. Uh, one of them is the <laughs> Elon mask. <laughs> it's got Elon Musk on it. Uh, then there's the Daddy Fauci made me wear this mask there's sweatshirts there's mugs and soon uh, there's going to be all sorts of merch popping up uh, with entirely uh, listener slash producer created art and that's like we keep saying one of the most fun parts about uh, canary cry news talk there has been some incredible canary cry related art that you guys are want to check it, are gonna want to check out. So make sure to head to canarycrymerchperch.com. And here's one of the special things about it: uh, all of the merch is sold at cost. There's no profit built right in, but you have the opportunity when you purchase to tip either the webmaster, that's producer dust. You can tip the artist, or you can tip. Uh, Gons and I. So there you go. You get merch at cost, which is a really a wonderful uh, way to run this thing because you know what? We're a Canary Cry family and we're not necessarily trying to make money off of people, but you also have the opportunity to help cover costs of running the merch perch. Uh, you have the opportunity to, uh, you know, pay it forward to the artists of the piece of merch. Or if you want to throw Gons and I a couple bucks, you are welcome to do that as well. And so we're very thankful to produce or dust for taking that on and uh yeah make sure to head to canarycrymerchperch.com yep and uh i think that wraps up everything i do want to play this quick jingle to let you guys know that you can support canary cry radio by going to this domain right here canary cry radio 
CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. That's right. CanaryCryRadio.com slash support. Make sure to check it out. No longer are we charity cases, Gons. <laughs> now we have uh, we are uh, empowering the listeners to take control of their media future, uh, to break away from the slave chains of advertising and big data, and make an investment in the future uh, media that you and I are working hard to create. And you're not just a, a charitable person, although you are. Uh, you're not just helping cover costs for the show, but you become a producer of Canary Cry Radio uh, because this is the real world. If you help pay for a piece of media to be created, you are officially a producer. And you can put that on your LinkedIn, put that on your resume, give them our email, canarycryradio at gmail.com, and we will vouch for you. So make sure to head to canarycryradio.com slash support. Yep. Well, is that everything, Gons? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, everybody, make sure to tune in next time to Canary Cry Radio. But until then, think outside the cage. <laughs>